Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what do you do when your child with anxiety or OCD refuses to discuss it? Often, that just stops us in our tracks. I've worked with so many parents who will just say, I can't do anything that your resources are telling me to do or that your class is telling me to do because my child won't even talk about anxiety or OCD. They go running in the other room, maybe even, if I bring up anxiety or OCD. They get angry and yell at me if I talk about it. Is that you? There is always, always a place to start. Sometimes it's not where we want to start, and sometimes it feels like it's too far away from our goal, but there's always an entry point. And we have to look at what does our child need to move forward, and what can I do without my child's involvement? And we're going to be diving into all of that and more in this episode. Before we get started, though, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Also, if you want to understand, this is one of the things that we actually can do as parents is uh, educate ourselves. And when we educate ourselves on things, we are taking a proactive approach. And so you can always learn about OCD while you're working on the things that we're going to talk about in this episode. And to help you with that, I have a lot of free webinars actually, but you might want to check out the five things every parent raising a child with OCD needs to know at natashadaniels.com slash OCD webinar. And if you're only dealing with anxiety and not OCD, Uh, I have one for you as well. Five things every parent raising a child with anxiety needs to know. And that is also natashadaniels.com slash anxiety webinar. So check those out and get your education started. And let's get started talking about what to do with our kids. So I want to start with the why. And often we want to start with the how. How do I get my kids to talk to me? Or how do I get them to work on anxiety or OCD? And we forget to explore the why. Why are they having a hard time? Why do they not want to work on it? Why are they refusing to even discuss it? And there is a difference between kids who don't want to work on it versus kids who will not even be able to discuss it. I did do a whole episode on motivation that you can listen to. And that is episode 201, how to motivate our kids to work on anxiety or OCD. And you can always just go to my website and scroll down to the bottom at atparentingsurvival.com and type in PSP201 or you know the title, How to Motivate Our Kids, or even just write Motivate, and this episode will pop up and you can actually listen to it directly on the website. So that's kind of a convenient way if you are ever looking for the things that I'm talking about. And you're like, what? Where is it? Just go to the website and find it. But I thought I had done this topic. And when I'm recording this, as I'm recording this, I'm actually doing my free series on self-care for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. Do it twice a year. Uh, I am 
about four episodes ahead. And so that when you're listening to this, that's probably about a month ago. But I do get that whenever I do free series, a lot of times parents will say stuff like, well, my child can't even talk about this, or my child isn't able to work on it. And I was about to link a podcast episode on how to get kids to talk about it or you know what to do when your child refuses to talk about it. And then I realized I don't have one on that topic, or at least I couldn't find one. And I was like, I could have sworn I've done this. But now that I'm doing reels every day, sometimes I'll do like a one minute reel on a topic and I'll forget and I'll think I did a podcast on it. So maybe that's what happened. If you're not watching my reels, they are every day, daily, like a one minute tip. And so um, you can follow me on wherever you like your social media, because we actually put those reels on Instagram, my Facebook page, my YouTube. So they're YouTube shorts and TikTok. So find me in whatever area. It's typically my username is AT Parenting Survival. So you can find me and uh, get a daily tip every day. So that's kind of kind of cool. But I didn't do this topic. And I really feel like this topic is different than the podcast episode that I did do on motivation, because that is actually one step ahead of the child who gets triggered by even mentioning anxiety or OCD. Okay, so we get this. What do we do with it? Why are they like that? I'm not going to be able to tell you how to approach this and how to make it better if we don't understand the why. And so I'm going to spend the first half of this episode talking about the why so you can kind of wrap your brain around it. Don't assume. Sometimes we assume we know the why. Oh, well, I know why my child doesn't want to talk about it because of this. You may be wrong. I am often wrong with my kids. And it's shocking to me (laughs) every single time I'm wrong because I'm like, what? Because I'm so cocky in that it's sarcastically cocky. I'm just like, I know my kids. And, you know, I'm the kid whisperer. I totally know why they're doing this. And my kids throw me curveballs all the time, all the time. Luckily, I am humble enough to know that I truly don't 100% know. I was just kind of kidding. And I ask the right questions, assuming I may not know. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, I'm going through the motions of just asking the questions to just make sure. And then I am flabbergasted when it's something completely different than I thought. So even if you know your child really, really well, like I feel like I do, sometimes we may assume things that are not accurate, or we may even put our own, project our own issues of why they may not want to talk about it onto them. And that may not be authentically their reason. It might be our reason. So let me give you a couple of examples. Obviously, this can't be an exhaustive list because it could be anything, but here are some really common ones. Let's go through them because the why will dictate the how. Does that make sense? And that is for a lot of things, like the core fear in anxiety or OCD is kind of going to dictate how I'm going to approach it. There's a global approach to anxiety or OCD, different approaches for anxiety versus OCD, but the nuances of how I'm going to approach it will be different depending on the core fear. And it's the same thing with any issue. What is driving the issue is going to motivate how I'm going to approach it. So here are a few of them. All right. One is they have a hard time expressing their emotions in general. So a lot of kids are just not communicative. And a lot of our kids feel very uncomfortable with strong emotions, emotions that maybe are not happy, you know, or content or excited. They have a hard time with the softer emotions like sad or upset, or sometimes kids are more comfortable with the anger and frustration versus the really soft ones like hurt or feel shame or grief or, or sadness or fear, definitely. And so they might have a hard time expressing their emotions. 
And a lot of the whys that I'm going to list right now have to do with potentially their environment, but a lot of times it's a wiring issue. And so parents are, we are quick to blame ourselves. And as I go through the list, sometimes some of them are a little bit of our responsibility and some are not. And so you can have, like, I have three kids and their levels of communication with me are all uniquely different. Each one of them is uniquely different. That's genetics. That is a personality trait. It's same parent, same environment, but how they approach and communicate with their struggles is different. So you might have one child who's very communicative and expressive. You, you always know how they feel. They're always very quick to tell you how they feel. And you have another child who is not. They're a little shut down. That doesn't mean you've done something wrong. That means they have different personality styles. So when that is the case, then that is our why and our how is going to be how to, how to address that. And I am going to go through all of the whys. And then the second half, we're going to talk about what you do with this stuff. And the second one I want to talk about is they're embarrassed about having anxiety or OCD. And so they're mortified that they might have this. And this can come from lots of reasons. There are kids with perfectionistic themes. There are kids with health anxiety. There are kids with moral and scrupulosity type of OCD themes where they want to be quote unquote good. All of those type of themes can trigger the feeling that there's something quote unquote wrong with them. A lot of quote unquotes. And so if I am perfectionistic and now you're telling me I have a disorder, there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with my brain, right? How they're perceiving it, not what I'm saying, then I'm not perfect. And that is actually making my my anxiety or OCD theme worse. And so I can't acknowledge that at on any level. If I perceive that a mental illness, you know, instead of like a mental health struggle is something that means I'm crazy or there's a stigma attached, then it's embarrassing. And so if I have moral OCD and I might perceive, you know, having an anxiety or OCD thing, something bad, that can trigger that. Or I'm trying to think of what other ones I just said. So sometimes it can be a an anxiety or OCD, oh, health anxiety. And so when we talk about the physiological aspect of anxiety or OCD, like a glitch in your brain, you know, or an overreactive amygdala for anxiety, a mechanism issue with, with OCD, then that can really overwhelm someone with health anxiety. There's something wrong with my brain. You know, that's scary. What else does that mean? What if it's something else? What if it's something bigger? So it could be that they don't want to discuss anxiety or OCD because it's fully wrapped in their theme, or it's because of what it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing to have anxiety or OCD. It's embarrassing to have the attention on me for something that's not good. So that's that's the second one. I'm going to just kind of go through these rather quickly just to give you kind of a flavor of what some of the whys could be. And you're not going to approach your kid and say, here are, here are a list of whys. Tell me which one seems the most accurate to you. You're going to explore this. And we'll talk about that in the second half, how you're going to find out the why. But we don't want to spoon feed these things into our kids. We want to ask them open-ended questions where they can divulge this stuff to us, which I know is hard when we're talking about a struggle in communication in general. Okay. So the third one is they think you'll force them to work on their issues. So if you are overzealous, I use that word a lot, overzealous, because it kind of encapsulates what I'm talking about. You know, I'm learning everything about anxiety or OCD and I'm, you know, in this group and I'm taking this course and I'm seeing this therapist, I'm reading this book and listening to this podcast and I'm ready to go. I have all the tools. Now I just need you to hop on board. And they feel this overzealousness and you are 
constantly trying to have that conversation and constantly trying to talk about it, they might feel like you are going to force them to work on their issues. Now, you might be saying, well, duh, yes, I am. That is the whole point, Natasha. I want them to work on their issues. Yes, but that might be scary for them. So the first step that I talk about in my How to Teach Kids to Crush OCD course and How to Teach Kids to Crush Anxiety course, two separate courses, is to start with playing detective and understand the many different ways anxiety or OCD can show up and start to play detective and notice what themes are going on and how to talk to your kids about those themes. You don't move into working on it. It's kind of like if you're going to run a marathon, you don't just instantly start running and that's the pace you're going to keep. You get the right clothes on, you eat a good meal, you stretch and exercise and work out your muscles before you start. You do small runs to build up your momentum and your stamina before that big day where you're going to do a huge marathon. It's the same thing with anxiety or OCT. It's a long journey and you're not going to just start working on ERP, exposure response prevention, the go-to standard for OCD. You're not going to start working on doing challenges for anxiety where they have to face their fears. That is in the middle of treatment, not at the beginning, but they may not realize that and you may not realize that. So it might be something that you're conveying even non-verbally to them, or it might be something that you are actually literally saying to them, but they are getting the message that you will force them to work on their issues. We want them to open up and talk about their issues without feeling like you're going to do something with that. And we'll talk about that more second half as far as some slippery slopes and what to avoid. Okay. The next one is maybe they don't fully trust you or your reactions. And so sometimes I've worked with families where there is a lack of trust within the relationship and it doesn't have to necessarily do with anxiety or OCD. There is just a lack of trust. And so the bond isn't solid. There are trust issues. It might be because things have happened in the past. It might be because there just was not, there has never been a trust issue, not a trust issue. There's never been a a full solid development of trust for us, all sorts of reasons that you know can happen in families. So that could be one aspect is there's not a lot of trust. And it could be, and I hear this a lot, is that early on in the journey with anxiety or OCD, a lot of us don't show up in the best way. And so we might get frustrated. We might yell. We might be punitive. We might be over-accommodating at first. We might be frustrated and blame. Like I've heard a lot of parents say, I know I didn't handle this well when it first started, and now my child won't trust me. Or maybe, you you know, they went to a really bad therapist or you had to get them into a treatment program, and now there's this like lack of trust that's going on. All sorts of reasons. It could be totally outside of anxiety or OCD. There could be divorce or there could be abuse. There could be relationship issues. It could just be that there just never was trust. Like you just, there's a little bit of a connection issue. So that could be a, that could be a problem because if, if your child is not fully trusting you for whatever reason. It could even be that you were in a different relationship, whether it's with your partner or a boyfriend or girlfriend or something that made them not trust you because maybe they didn't trust the person that you brought into their life. I mean, there's a zillion different examples of why trust can be an issue with a parent and a child. But if I don't trust someone, I'm certainly not going to open up and tell them my most vulnerable thoughts and feelings. And so then I need to work on trust. The other component to this one, and there are they are kind of like two different things, but they could go together, is they don't trust your reaction. And that's a little bit different, but they may not trust how you're going to react, which could mean 
Maybe you over-identify, and so they know that you're fragile. Maybe you cry with them when they're struggling, or you feel their pain, and they know. Or maybe you have your own mental health issues, and they're like, eek, I know that you're going to cry, or you're going to get really angry, or I don't know how you're going to react because you're unpredictable, and your reactions are unpredictable. So that can be another one. Or you're going to tell my dad, or you're going to tell someone else and I don't trust their reaction, or I don't trust what they're going to do with it. And so I can't be vulnerable with you. So explore that if you think that that resonates with you. Okay, the next one, and I have three more, is they don't want to burden you or increase your anxiety. So this kind of feeds off the last one, but it goes a little bit deeper. So if you have your own mental health issues or your own physical issues, your child might realize that and say, I don't think my parent has the capacity for me to unload. And therefore, I don't want to talk about this anxiety or OCD at all. And so it comes from trying to protect you. And you probably notice that these are all very different. You might have a few of these, but they're kind of clumped in groups. So the kids that, well, I'll go through them and then we'll talk about this, but they are very different. Some are more soft and some are more, they'll get more angry and defensive. They'll show up in different ways. Like the one I just talked about, that is probably more of like a, a sugar coater. Like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. Did that make you nervous? No, it's fine. Right. So they're talking and they're not like running out of the room screaming or very aggressive or angry, but they're sugar coating. So you really never get any meat. My youngest is a bit of a sugar coater. And all three of my kids are completely different. And so it's not 100% a parenting issue, but she will say things are fine. And maybe it is she thinks that I'm going to make her work on it because we do have that kind of family culture of, we do hard things, you know, and now this is a, a new goal. <laughs> so that definitely could be a part of it. But, you know, she'll say things are fine, fine, fine until she crumbles. Um, and that's 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 our work right now is how to get her to talk about things before she crumbles. My son, who's 13, had a problem with that. And now he's much more communicative much earlier on. And he was more extreme in, in his inability to communicate at the age that my daughter is currently. And they're two years apart. So there was there's progress that's being made with both of them as they reach different developmental stages. So the next one, second to last one, is they're worried about what you'll think. And so if mental health struggles is not accepted or they know that there's going to be backlash in the family, maybe not with you, but, you know, grandparents are not, they don't believe in mental health issues or dad or mom doesn't believe in mental health issues or, you know, you guys have talked bad about other people who've had struggles with mental health. They might worry about disappointing you or what you're going to think, or maybe you're going to think they're crazy or they need to be locked up in a loony bin. Like kids have had all sorts of really extreme beliefs. And to be honest with you, sometimes I would think, wow, that's really extreme. I'm sure your parent isn't going to be like that. And then I met with a parent and I'm like, oh my gosh, they are like that. (laughs) Cause you know, you know, there are people out there who are like, they'll say things like, you know, it's all in your head. If you could, you know, if you could just be more positive or, you know, exercise and eat better, you wouldn't have these problems. And you're like, it's a little bit deeper than that. So maybe they're worried about that. I get those kind of comments on my YouTube channel all the time from kids, you know, that my parents not going to understand. They tell me that I'm just being overdramatic or that it's just in vogue to, you know, to have anxiety or OCD or, you know, I'm just copying my friends, all sorts of things. And so maybe they're worried about that. Who knows? And the last one is they may have a view of anxiety or CD in a stereotypical way. And so obsessive cleaning disorder, being neurotic, you know, 
washing your hands as like the only aspect of OCD. And so that stereotype of anxiety or OCD, in particular OCD, causes them shame. And because, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a meme. People make fun of people who have OCD or people say I'm a little OCD and it's not what I feel, but that's what people are saying. And so I feel a lot of shame around, around what I'm having or, or it could be and or. That's not how my OCD shows up. And so I probably don't have OCD. My thoughts are probably real. I'm having intrusive thoughts that I want to harm myself. And that's really upsetting because I don't want to. Or I'm having intrusive thoughts that I want to touch the dog in inappropriate ways. And I'm not seeing people talk about OCD in that way. I'm seeing it being like a neat freak or an organized. So I probably don't have OCD. They all think I do, but I can't share these thoughts and themes with them because maybe I'm just a sick, disturbed person. And so that's an issue too, right? So they're not going to want to talk about it. The last one, and I don't even have this down, and it should be number one. So what's going on with my brain? Is if I talk about it, then I'm going to have to feel it. And I'm spending 110% of my time distracting myself so I don't have to feel OCD or anxiety. And so if I discuss it with you, I'm going to be flooded. And so I need to avoid it almost compulsively. And that is actually one of the number one reasons is avoidance is the way I'm coping with it. And so I can't discuss it because it's going to overwhelm me. And I actually have a YouTube video on that and I will link it in the show notes and on my website so you can watch it and see if that would be a good thing to show your kids. And the YouTube video is something about, I think the title is, um, do you avoid talking about anxiety or OCD? And in the YouTube video, it's pretty short. I just talk about how a lot of people avoid talking about it because OCD or anxiety will say, don't talk about me. Or I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to make it worse. And you can't get through anxiety or OCD if you won't even talk about it. Like you can't, you can't crush anxiety or OCD by avoiding. You're just growing it. And so I'll link that YouTube video. Okay. When we get back from the break, let's talk about what we do with this. A little bit of how we get to the why and then a lot about the how. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. 
seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized that it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it. And I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Okay, welcome back. So how do we get to the why? Well, getting to the why is a little tricky. So if they, let's go through these actually, and that I will talk about the why as I go through them. And I just picked these out because I feel like these are the most common ones and you'll get the gist of how to approach this, even if you have a different why than the ones I've talked about. So the first one, they have a hard time expressing their emotions in general. Okay. What I would say to my child is what's the hardest part about talking about your anxiety or OCD? And I would say that for most of these is what's the hardest part. If your child doesn't want to talk about it, you want to drop the word anxiety or OCD. And I'm saying anxiety or OCD because some parents listen to me for anxiety, some parents listen for OCD, sometimes for both. And so it's anxiety or OCD. So you know what I'm talking about. The word anxiety or OCD can be a trigger, especially for the last point that I made where they avoid, they're avoiding discomfort. They don't even like to hear the word anxiety or OCD. Actually for quite a few of these, the ones that are embarrassed about it, feel shame about it, the word is a trigger. And so the first thing I tell parents is first of all, drop the label. Don't, don't talk about anxiety or OCD. You might say, what's the hardest part about talking about this, right? And if you get resistance, I have done this with my kids when they have, luckily my, my kids have been pretty expressive. My son has had a hard time in the past and went to therapy just to learn how to build his communication skills, but I could get him for a few minutes at a time and he would talk. I've I've never had a kid of my own who would not talk at all or who would run out of the room. I have, I have not experienced that in my genetics. (laughs) I have experienced that a lot in my office. And so I know I've worked with tons of kids who would just run out of the room and couldn't talk about anxiety or OCD. But my daughter did have a time where she couldn't talk about a particular theme. And you might say to your child, I know it's hard to talk about these issues, right? We're not using the word anxiety or OCD if that's something that's a triggering word for them. And all I want to know, all you have to answer is what's the hardest part about talking about it? And even if they scream, I don't know, I just stupid. You can say, that's fine. You don't have to tell me and leave it. Like when they're raging or when they run out of the room, you have to stop, right? The goal, ideally, when we're trying to get our kids to communicate is that they'll communicate a little bit and we end it before they shut down or go ballistic. That is the ultimate goal. And so when I start to see those cues that someone is revving up, I back down very quickly so that I can get exit out of there metaphorically and leave it on a sweeter note than a full down shutdown. It's like a respect thing that I can gauge that you're not doing okay with this topic right now. And I'm backing up. I might have to ask you this a few times over the next month in different ways, or I might incentivize it. I wouldn't come back to an angry child and incentivize it. But maybe a few days later, I would say, I know it's hard for you to talk about these things and we're not going to, right? So we're like disarming them right away. We're not going to, you don't have to, don't worry about it. But 
you can earn blah, blah, blah. And I do use incentives a lot to get kids who are not willing to talk to talk to me. Um, and it has been very effective. You can earn blah, blah, blah. And all you have to do is really think about this and answer what is the hardest part about talking about these issues. And if you don't want to tell me, you can write it down or you can text me, right? Giving them options that are nonverbal can help. That helps because they might say, you know, it reminds me of my struggles or I feel stupid. I feel crazy or I don't want to work on it. It's not going to help. Right. And they're hitting all the ones I'm talking about. Right. So that is the first step. You may not get that answer for a while. You may not get it for a long time, but you might start to connect the dots when you start to ask these things, because when they give you a little inch, it it gives you material to go a little bit further. Like you think you're going to make me work on it. And then you're like, well, that's an obvious one. So you wouldn't have to go too much further on that one. Uh, If they say like, you're going to think I'm crazy. Then you can say, well, what do you think OCD is? You know, and then, you know, okay, I need to move into education. So asking what's the hardest part about discussing anxiety or OCD, or if that's a trigger, these issues would be the first step if, if you can get some traction. For the first one who has a hard time expressing their emotions in general, you may not even start with that. You might need to start with just getting them to talk about something in general. It might be that you need to just start talking to them. And so how was your day, right? And you know what was the best part of your day? Talk about positive things and get them to connect and, and talk to you in a way that they're able to give you information that's not threatening. So you might start with just connecting with them in general. And then slowly talking about emotions that are a little bit harder and building up their tolerance to talk about difficult emotions and getting them to realize that I open up to my parent and then the minute they see that I'm a little overwhelmed or that I'm done, they back out. Maybe even before that, you know, five minute conversation, 30 second conversation. And so you're building up that trust. The next one, they're embarrassed about having anxiety or OCD. If they say, I feel so stupid having this, or you know, by some of their comments, that they've made. And so this isn't just, you're not going to gather this data just by direct questioning, because obviously this is part of the problem, but by what they say in their outbursts, you know, I hate having anxiety or OCD. So I feel so stupid. Nobody else has these problems. That's an indication of their belief system of the story they're telling themselves, or you want me to work on this so hard and you always want to do this for me and just leave me alone. It's part of who I am. Okay. So now I know they think I'm pushing too hard right? Or no, no, everything's fine. You know, I don't have any problems, right? They're people pleasing and they don't want to be a burden on me. So pay attention to what your kids say in those heated moments about their anxiety or OCD. And that kind of gives you a little bit of a window into some of these whys. So if they're embarrassed about having anxiety or OCD, and I know that that is the reason why they are not wanting to talk about it, then I know I need to work on destigmatizing anxiety or OCD. So how do I do that? Well, I might want to show them videos of other kids who have anxiety or OCD. And so Unstuck an OCD Kids movie is a great way to destigmatize that and say, look, here are, you know, six, I think it's six examples of kids who have different OCD themes. Um, So finding anxiety or OCD documentaries, finding anxiety or OCD books can be helpful. And then you have to incentivize them to watch them or read them because they're not going to. And so it might be, you can earn bravery points for watching this documentary, maybe just watch five minutes a day and then sit down with them. And then they earn the points and your goal. And it's always good to have a goal. Like your intention is to destigmatize anxiety or OCD. Um, Child Mind Institute, if you go to their website, they often have campaigns where they're normalizing anxiety or OCD by getting famous people to 
make little videos and talk about their struggles. So that's a great way to normalize anxiety or CD. Find someone who's famous that they respect that has anxiety or CD. And it's not that hard to do anymore. So that's your goal though, right? Is destigmatizing. The next one we talked about is they think you'll force them to work on their issues. And so when you start to hear stuff like, you know, I'm not ready yet. Just leave me alone. I don't want to do it. You might say, look, I know in the past, if you have had a history in the past of pushing you or making you, you know, wanting, wanting you to do exposures or wanting you to do things, I promise that you can talk to me and I will not force you to do anything or I won't even talk about it. I just want to learn. I want you to have an outlet and I want to learn where your struggles are. And so you might have to build that trust again, that you're not going to force them. And you have to respect that and give them the authority of what step do you want to take next. And when you're working on building the trust and the communication, that is your goal. You're not moving into ERP or anything until that is solid and they're ready to move on, which might take some time. And that's okay. Okay. The next one is they don't fully trust you or your reactions. So you might have to tell them, look, I know in the past that I have been, you know, unpredictable with my reactions, or I've been, you know, really angry at you when you've talked about your anxiety because it kind of triggered my own anxiety or whatever reason. And I want you to know that I have worked on it and I am here for you. I'm anchored and I want to be here for you. And you can tell me anything. So you might have to do some correction there or some um, some repairing, depending on what has happened. If they don't fully trust you because of some sort of relationship issue that we talked about in the beginning of this podcast episode, then you got to work on the trust. And trust takes time. You might have to get a family therapist and just really work on the trust in the family or between you and the child so that they can start opening up and communicating with you in general. Okay, the next one, they don't want to be a burden to you or increase your anxiety. The best way that we can help our kids when we have our own mental health issues, which a lot of parents do, they have their own anxiety or OCD depression issues, a lot of anxiety and OCD because it's genetic. So the apple doesn't fall far from that genetic tree. It might be to, to start working on yourself. And so, you know, in my house, my kids see me actively working on my social anxiety all of the time. They see me doing exposures. They see me doing things that are uncomfortable. They see me talking about it. And so when you start working on your anxiety or OCD and you normalize it, like I'm not fragile. Um, and even if you feel fragile inside, I have space to handle what you want to share with me. We can work on this together in a healthy, you know, non-enmeshment sort of way that can help right? That can give them the message that you're okay. When you cry every time your child tells you their struggles and their pain, a lot of kids are going to avoid telling you because it makes them feel bad and guilty. So a lot of it will be you learning how to lovingly detach and compassionately being present so that your child can open up and you have, you're giving your child space to, for their issues and not for your issues. And some of us who are empaths or soak up other people's feelings, we have a hard time with that because you like feel what your child is telling you and you react like it's happening to you. And that can be a deterrent for your child to talk to you. I'm going to look it up. I do have a podcast on lovingly detaching episode 249 or go to atparentingsurvival.com and type in detach and it'll pop up for you. That's another good episode to listen to if that is one of your struggles. Okay. Um, where were we? We have three more. They're worried about what you'll think. That's again a reframing, right? If they think that you guys are so anti mental health and everybody's bad mouthing uncle, blah, 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 who went to therapy or has OCD, you're going to have to do a little reframing and say, you know, I know that grandma thinks that mental health doesn't exist or, you know, whatever it is, just call it out there and just say, I don't believe that. And some of the brightest, smartest, 
most incredible people have anxiety or CD and it is healthy and normal to work on it. And so whatever is, you know, the family culture that is making the child worried about what you'll think, you just have to reframe that. All right. The second to last one, they have a stereotypical view of these issues again, and it causes shame. That's very similar to the one where they're embarrassed. Um, and so a lot of it is again, normalizing. So watching those documentaries, watching, I've got YouTube videos, um, on my YouTube channel, you can follow me at, uh, youtube.com slash at Natasha Daniels, OCD therapist. I think (laughs) I don't even know what I am called over there. Let me see. Slash. They know they started doing these slashes. It gets a bit confusing. Yes, it is Natasha Daniels. So if you go to youtube.com uh, slash at Natasha Daniels OCD therapist, you get to my YouTube channel and I do have tons of YouTube videos that you can show your child. I would start with um, what is OCD or like, you know, I have lots of videos on different themes that you can start with just to get them to realize that they are not alone. And there's something very comforting when you watch a video about harm OCD or about moral OCD or about any OCD theme that is not about organizing that makes you feel heard and seen. And I've had a lot of kids write comments on my YouTube videos where they're like, I didn't think anyone else had this. It's so good to know that I'm not alone, you know? And so those things can really help with that last point. Okay. The final, final one is avoiding discomfort. So I do have a YouTube video on that. Um, and you'll probably have to incentivize them. And I do have a whole podcast on how to create these incentives. Cause I know I keep talking about incentivizing and I think that is really key to move the dial. And so, all right. So it's episode 123 and I'm sorry that I'm throwing so many episodes at you, but I like to give you like, I'd like to give you a bone, you know, to dive deeper on the topics that I'm bringing up. If you're like, Oh, I do really, I need to work on that. Cause there, there's no way I could do it in one episode all this stuff and be comprehensive. But episode 123, developing good incentives to get kids to work on anxiety or CD. I will dive deep into how to create an incentive program. And yes, you can create one when your child doesn't want to talk about anxiety or CD. You're going to be incentivizing a very quick five-second discussion about it, or you're going to be incentivizing watching a quick video, a three, I purposely make my videos very short, a three to five minute video once a week, maybe once every few days as you pick up momentum, but incentivizing it is very important. So when they're avoiding discomfort, I might incentivize them to watch that five minute. I don't know how long it is, you know, whatever video on avoiding talking about anxiety or CD. And it's not nearly as triggering because I'm just talking about how you're not talking about it (laughs) and how that actually is what anxiety or CD wants you to do. Not talk about it because as long as you don't talk about it, you can be on this hamster wheel of avoidance and you feel like you are in control when in reality, you're actually making it bigger. And so using some incentives and learning how to use incentives properly can be actually a really helpful tool. So those are some of the hows for the whys. And I would pay attention to to what your kids are struggling with and pay attention to the stories they're telling themselves about anxiety or OCD. And how it interplays. And so if your child is very open about talking about their depression and they're open to talk about their bullying and they're open to talking about the problems with their sibling and they're not open to talk about anxiety or OCD, then they they are able to communicate and they are able to express their feelings. There's something about anxiety or OCD that is causing the holdup. And so then you're going to really narrow it down from there. Okay. They can talk about other things, but not that. So 
What's that about? Now, sometimes parents will say, oh, but they can talk about anything, you know? And then it's like, when I really dive into it with a parent, it's like, well, they can't talk about anything that's difficult. They can't talk about struggles. It doesn't matter about anxiety or CD. They can't talk about any struggles. And so, yeah, you can have a child who's very expressive and very close and very communicative, but they don't, well, they won't tell you anything about things that make them sad or upset or, you know, embarrassed. And that's what we're talking about. You know, so some kids can't communicate at all and some kids can communicate really well, but just not about anxiety or OCD for all the other different whys that we talked about. So I hope this kind of sparks the feeling of at least an entry point. I hope that by listening to this episode, you are at least thinking to yourself, I know where I can put some work and that can, that can make a big difference. I know at least where I need to put my next step because a lot of times with this journey with anxiety or OCD, it's one step at a time. And a lot of times the step that we want to take is not the step that our kids need. Sometimes it's five steps behind where we want to go. And we have to honor that because if we rush ahead and say, nope, nope, we want to go right to the, the, the middle of the step. We want to start doing the treatment. We want to start doing all that. Your child just isn't going to be on board and you're going to wind up dragging them metaphorically and sometimes literally, and it's not going to stick. It's going to be a waste of money. It's going to be a waste of everything because they're just not they haven't done the other steps yet that they need to do in order to be able to fully embrace their journey with anxiety or OCD. So I hope that you're finding my podcast episodes helpful in general. If you are, don't forget to hit a star and rate the show. Um, and if you have a few extra minutes to leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. Um, I want to thank SSB1001 for writing a review. They wrote, amazing resource. Thank you so much for this podcast. It has really transformed our family's journey with anxiety. It's given us concepts and practical tools that we now use every day with our child. On tough days, this podcast has been a lifesaver. Very grateful for this resource. Well, thank you. And I'm grateful that you took the time to write that review and let other parents know that it has some value. So maybe if you're writing review, I'll be reading yours next time. And don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.